on disappointments. And I really believe that the enemy comes to show us our disappointments in our life all the time. And it's like you become disappointed in, in, um, in a lot of ways. And disappointment is a feeling of dissatisfaction that follows the failure of expectations or hopes to manifest. And so um, <laughs> I was like, God, what is it like to be a king or a priest of the Most High and deal with these disappointments in our lives? Because we can deal with them the way of the, of the world, and we can look just like the people of the world in our disappointments. Or we can deal with it as a, a, as a mandated kingdom, like a king and a queen would, um, would attempt to address the disappointments in their life. There's, there's a, it's supposed to look different. We're not supposed to look like the world. And I think right now a lot of believers are looking like the world in their disappointments. But what the enemy's trying to do is he's trying to bring up old patterns. He's trying to get us to fall into the old traps, um, old situations that come over and over again. And God is breaking us out of those right now. He's breaking them out of those right now. And then if we just listen to Holy Spirit. And I, I had this dream, I guess about a week ago. And in this dream, I shared this on a video me and my husband had, had um had did on Facebook Live, but it was about, uh, we were in a cabin out in the middle of nowhere. And I began to see these bears. And, and, um, and you know, I saw, I saw like a hiddenness, like, like they were trying to hide. And I was like, you know, they left. So I couldn't see them anymore. And I'm speaking to you spiritually now because sometimes we think that we get rid of stuff in our lives but it's still there. And so it hides itself. And so these bears were like hiding in this long brush, right? These long pieces of brush that were, that was out in the middle of nowhere. And I'm looking and I'm like, man, it looks like they're gone. I can step out of the cabin now and I won't get hurt. So I went to step out of the cabin and as soon as I stepped out, I couldn't see the bears, but I could feel it in my belly, the discerning and the discernment that something was there that shouldn't be there, that was there to devour me. And so I ran back in the cabin and I shut the door. That in itself speaks so prophetically because you should be running away from those patterns and those old traps and those old things and shutting the door of the, onto the enemy to open the doors to the Lord. And, and I'm telling you, it's, a ch it's our choice to shut the doors. Because I could have stayed out there, fallen into the trap, and done it all over again, and gone through the same situation all over again, and got devoured by, by um, these grizzly bears. And as soon as I stepped in and shut the door, I began to see the bears stand up and walk up and show themselves. And it, it, it doesn't, it, you're not going to see the traps, you're not going to see the, um, the cycles of the patterns until you choose to shut the door on that thing. And then God's going to show you with his light what, what that thing looks like and how to attempt to get rid of it when you do that. But it's a choice. And so in this dream, I'm seeing this, and I'm like, and I literally, when I stepped out, I said, oh, no, I said, you're not going to get me this time. 
I said, no, uh devil. I said, you're not going to get me this time to walk into an old trap that I continuously walk into that I know that you never meant for me to walk into. And as soon as I discerned it, I ran inside and shut the door. And it was like for my whole family, though. It wasn't just for me. So your decision-making and shutting the door is not just about you, but it's about for your family, too, because you're shutting doors to things that the enemy has trapped because once you shut the door, then they'll shut the door. And I remember... um, this is not even in my notes. But I remember teaching the youth, and the Lord would always bring this to me because I was like, I want them to worship, and I want them to do this. And I had all these, like, things for our youth, right? <laughs> and I was like, I want them to do this, and I want them to do that, and I want them to experience God. And the Lord's like, well, they're not going to do it unless you do it. And he's like, quit waiting for them to do it, and you do it first. And I was like, all right, God. I was like, I'll do it first, so that way they can come follow. And I really believe that's what the God is saying right now, that as we step out of these patterns and these old things that keep popping their heads up, the enemy comes the same all the time. He doesn't choose anything new. <laughs> that, and, 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 and it still traps us up, right? Somehow we still get trapped up all over again, right? And we're like, how did that even happen? It's the same thing that happened last year. And sometimes it happens around the same time as last year. You're like, last year this time, I was battling this thing. And now it's come again, and I'm still battling this thing. And (laughs) you see what I'm saying? Wisdom and discernment, if we're hearing the voice of the Father, would tell us, shut the door and don't fall into the trap. There's a a lot of disappointment in our cities and in our nations right now. And we have the choice to listen and see what the enemy wants us to focus on and what we can begin to dance on the disappointments on. Uh, Disappointment is caused by your love or passion for the very thing you were disappointed with. Martin Luther King Jr. would say this, there can be no deep disappointment where there is no deep love. So the disappointments you've had in your life, it's because there's some kind of love there. There's a deep kind of love there. Uh, It always goes back to love, if you notice that. And that's where we're supposed to be with the Father. But if we're filtering our thoughts and what we're seeing and hearing through the Lord, then disappointment can set itself in place. So I I started praying about this, and I was like, you know what disappointment comes into our midst? What it's supposed to do, like the flip side of it is supposed to do for us. It's supposed to be opportunity for growth within ourselves. It's supposed to be um, making us stronger. This is the outcome when there's a disappointing thing happening. (laughs) And I just started asking the Lord, I was like, what does dancing on disappointment look like to you, Lord? And I just started to see how David understood how to dance on his disappointments and you know David was always known to be a man after God's heart right and we sing the song dance like David dance right (laughs) everybody knows this but do you know how what David went through just to get to the dance I want to share that with you this morning because people think that boom he became king he never went through nothing and then he had this encounter with God in the dance. 
And in this dance, if we go to 2 Samuel and read 1 through 15, I want to share this with you this morning because I want to encourage you how God works through the disappointments and what we're supposed to look like as kings and priests of the Most High. So this is what's going on in David's life right now. Let me get there. I'm so sorry. David learns of Saul's death. After the death of Saul, David returned from his victory over the Amalekites and spent two days in Ziglag. And on the third day, a man arrived from Saul's army camp, and he had torn his clothes and put dirt on his head to show that he was in mourning. <laughs> he fell to the ground before David in deep respect. Where have you come from, David asked. I escaped from the Israelite camp, the man replied. What happened, David demanded. Tell me how the battle went. And the man replied, our entire army fled from the battle, and many of the men are dead, and Saul and his son Jonathan are also dead. Now let me give you a recap. Saul was so mean to David. <laughs> he really was. He sent out all kinds of armies to kill David, right? And here we are. He's, he's dead now. Jonathan is dead. Jonathan was Saul's son. And this is David's response to them dying. How did you know Saul and Jonathan are dead? And David demanded of the young man, and the man answered, I happened to be on Mount Geboia, and there was Saul leaning on his spear with the enemy's chariots and charioteers closing in on him. And when he turned and saw me, he cried out for me to come to him. How can I help? I asked him. He responded, who are you? I'm an Amalekite, I told him. Then he begged me, come over here and put me out of my misery, for I am in terrible pain and I want to die. This is Saul talking to this man. So I killed him, and the Amalekite told David, for I knew he couldn't live. Then I took his crown and his armband, and I have brought them here to you, my Lord. And David and his man tore their clothes in sorrow when they heard the news. This is David responding to somebody who did something wrong, who was doing ba bad things to him. Our response is what matters when unjust things happen, when disappointments happen in our lives. Our response matters to those situations. And David and his men tore their clothes off in sorrow, and they mourned and wept and fasted all the day for Saul and his son, Jonathan. For the Lord's army and the nation of Israel, because they had died by the sword that day. Then David said to the young man who brought the news, where are you from? And he replied, I'm a foreigner, an Amalekite who lives in your land. Why were you not afraid to kill the Lord's anointed one? See, there David's honoring Saul and says that he, you killed the anointed one. Then David said one of his men, kill him. So the man thrust his sword into the Amalekite and killed him. And you have condemned yourself, David said, for you yourself confess that you killed the Lord's anointed one. He takes the guy out who came and killed Saul with the sword and kills him. And he's honoring Saul and he says, how can you be so about um, taking out the anointed one that God chose? 
See, he didn't see Saul with his flesh. He didn't see Saul with, uh, with his own thoughts or his own mindset. He saw Saul through the eyes of the Lord. That no matter what Saul made mistakes in or he did, his, his picture of Saul was always the anointed one. And I, I want to I share some more on that. Because our response matters in our disappointments. He even wrote a song for Saul. And I want, if we go and we go and we read this, I want to tell you how he describes them. Because I read this and I was like blown away by what he says in this area. Let's go to, let me pull this up for a moment. 2 Samuel 1.23. If we could turn there for a moment. It says, How beloved and gracious were Saul and Jonathan. They were together in life and in death, and they were swifter than eagles, stronger than lions. That was his description of Saul and Jonathan. And I was like, he went through all kinds of stuff with with uh, not Jonathan, he loved Jonathan, but with Saul. And here he is describing Saul and Jonathan who had come against him. And here he is describing them as lions and as eagles and swifter than an eagle. And I was like, what honor that David is walking in in the disappointment of what he had already gone through. And I said, this is so amazing how David's response was as 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 his calling. He wasn't even king at this point. Let me remind you. He wasn't king yet. You're like, well, he was a king, and you know, this is the response kings are supposed to have. Well, last I checked, we're called to be kings too of the Most High, right? And we're supposed to respond like this too, but we don't. 2 Samuel 2, 4, it says, when David heard that the men of Jabesh Galad had buried Saul, he sent them this message. May the Lord bless you for being so loyal to your master Saul and giving him a decent burial. And may the Lord be loyal to you in return and reward you with his unfailing love. And I too will reward you for whatever you've done. Now that Saul is dead, I ask to, for you to be my strong and loyal subjects like the people of Judah who have anointed me as their king. This is when he steps into kingship in the natural. <laughs> he had already been called since a young man to be a king. He had already been anointed with the oil. He had already known what his call was in his life. But this is where it happens in the natural. 2 Samuel 3.1. Now that that was the beginning of a long war. See, we think that he's king now. Everything gets easier, right? <laughs> We're like, God, you know, <laughs> he's king now. He has authority, you know. <laughs> he's going to have this easy flowing time. And it talks in 2 Samuel 3.1. It says, that was the be beginning of a long war between those who were loyal to Saul and those loyal to David. As time passed, David became stronger and stronger while Saul's dynasty became weaker and weaker. And so he goes through all of this stuff, David. 
Disappointment after disappointment, struggle after struggle. Some of you are in here, some of you are watching, and you're like, God, like, I didn't sign up for this. This is struggle. This is all this disappointment and all these things. And you're thinking God's not even with you sometimes. And you're like, how can God be with me when all these things are happening to me? He's training you up to be the kings and the queens that you're called to be. This is a, 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 a mo you know, we talk about even that about even being the clay, right? And him being the potter, right? <laughs> molding us to look more like him, molding us to sound more like him. But when we're going through the molding process, we don't want to do it, right? And God's like, yeah, disappointments are here. But how about you dance on your disappointments like David did? And I want to tell you what happens next. Second, the ark finally gets moved to Jerusalem in 2 Samuel 6, 14. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was girded with a linen ephon. But it's, it says on there that he danced so hard and so much that his clothes began to fall off. That's how passionate he was. That's how full of the love he had for the Lord. Like he danced, I can't, I mean, I was sitting there yesterday, I was like, God, you know, this dance that, that David had was just full of love, and like, he didn't care what he looked like. He just danced with all his heart and put himself all into it. And I was just like, God, Lord, this is where we're at right now. There's disappointments happening in the world. There's disappointments happening in our life. But it's time for us to have a celebration and dance. Because when the Ark of the Covenant came, David and everybody had a celebration. They celebrated that the Ark of the Covenant was there with them again. It's like everything was aligning and everything was coming into place. I mean, even after all that he had gone through, here comes God sending the Ark of the Covenant and is aligning him again with what has been spoken over his life for years. There are words, prophetic words that have been spoken over your lives, those even that are watching, and you haven't seen them yet. You haven't seen them flourish yet, and you've gotten caught up in your disappointment in your life. And I'm telling you, if you dance over your disappointments, I promise you God's going to give you breakthrough. And he's going to begin to show you what it looks like to receive those words in the action that what God says he's faithful in and it's going to happen no matter what. You can't run away from what God speaks over your life. It's going to happen no matter what. Saul tried to take it away from David. And guess what? David still got the kingship. But the one thing David chose to do is he chose to honor. He chose to walk in honor and humility is what David chose to walk in to take that crown on his head. He was not going to ever take it in dishonor. And I think this is where we're at. Sometimes we want people who have done unjust things to us or said unjust things to us to uh, go through this, um, this wrath or this, this bad thing. And it's like God's like, that's not my character and nature. I, I'm not going to do that to somebody. They are my sons and my daughters too. And, you know, when it, when it talks about, you know, you set a, a table before my enemies, guess what? Your enemies are his sons and his daughters too. 
And you know, sometimes we forget that, and we want people to pay back for things that God already paid on the cross for everybody, not just for me and you, but even for those that come against us. And so um, <laughs> I'm sitting here, and I'm reading this. If we could turn to 2 Samuel 6.16, because we've been talking a lot about freedom, and we've been talking about how God is wanting us to be free in our minds, free in our soul, free in our spirit right now. And, and what does that even, <laughs> even look like? So let's go to 616, because David has, is doing his dance. I'm going to try to pull it up here. <laughs> and David's done doing his dance. And let me tell you what happens next. So Saul had a daughter. Her name was Michal. And it says, but the ark of the Lord entered in the city of David, Michal, maybe I said it wrong, the daughter of Saul, looked down from her window. So this is the religious, right? <laughs> They're looking down. This is what I saw when I read this. When she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she was filled with contempt for him. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the special tent David had prepared for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. And when he had finished his sacrifices, David blessed the people in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. I love that part, of heaven's armies. Then he gave to every Israelite man and woman in the crowd a loaf of bread, <laughs> a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins. And then all the people returned to their homes. When David returned home to bless his own family... Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to him, and she said in disgust, how, dis how distinguished the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. And David retorted, this is his response, David re replied back to her, you know, for those that don't understand freedom and dance and freedom and dancing on disappointment, this is how he responds to her. He says, I was dancing before the Lord who chose me above your father and all his family. He appointed me as the leader of Israel. He's reminding her of who he's called to be in Christ, right? He's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. The people of the Lord, so I celebrate before the Lord. He's in celebration mode. He went through all this disappointment. He dances on his disappointment and then he's in celebration with the Lord. Yes, I'm willing to look over. It's, he, he tells her, yes, I am willing to look. We're at 22, 622. Look even more foolish than this. Even to be humiliated in my own eyes. But those servant girls you mentioned will, will indeed think I'm distinguished. So Michelle, the daughter of Saul, remained childish throughout her entire life. And I started thinking about that, about this woman and how she was Saul's daughter. And I was thinking about her heart and how her heart had this bitterness inside of it with her disappointment. See, she didn't choose to come worship the Lord. She chose the bitterness. She chose to let her heart be tainted by the disappointments she had experienced with losing her dad. And I thought that it was so good for a time right now since it's Father's Day today 
and I and I'm and I'm thinking about it and I'm like God this happened with Michelle and she kept this bitterness in her heart and what I've seen bitterness do is it creates a critical spirit inside of us and she was being critical on David and his worship and his dance in that moment of celebration and I tell you that because I want it's better to dance upon your disappointments and look foolish and don't care about what you look like and don't care about what people say about you and how you look or how your worship is into God. But to but it's better than having that bitterness and that stuff in your heart that will make you to be critical on things that you don't understand. And to me, that's part of the religious spirit. And so I don't want anybody, any of us to be there. But when you dance on your disappointments and we can come and worship over the serpent's head and crush them in our dance and our worship, kings are honored and they bring restoration out of the place of disappointment. So let me tell you something. David doesn't stop here. David goes on and he goes from disappointment to celebration. And then what happens after celebration he brings honor and restoration to the land and to a whole generation. And I want to tell you what that looked like because in 2 Samuel 9, let's turn there for a moment. It just, it just, I, I, was, I, was, I was going over this with the Lord and I was just like, God, you're so good. Like what you do with our hearts. He was a man after God's heart and he behaved like a man after God's heart. And it's time that we begin to behave like people that are after God's heart and not be like Michelle with bitterness and bad things in our hearts, but, let, but let's dance on our disappointments. Don't let it create something in your heart that was never meant to be there. And David, let's go to read 2 Samuel 9. This is where the honor and restoration come. One day David asked, is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? If you knew Jonathan and David's relationship, they were like brothers. Like he loved Jonathan and Jonathan loved him. And Jonathan did everything he could to try to protect David between the, his dad and David. <laughs> and and listen to what love does to a person's heart. One day David asked, is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? He summoned a man named Ziba who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba, the king asked. Yes, sir, I am, Ziba replied. And the king then asked him, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show them God's kindness to them. That speaks volumes right now. We are to show kindness to people right now. Ziba replied, yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He's crippled in both of his feet. Where is he, the king asked. In Lodabar, Ziba, uh, Ziba told him at the home of Micaiah, son of Am Amishiel. So David sent for him and brought him from Micaiah's home. His name was Mephish, and I'm going to probably tear up his name, but <laughs> Mephish Bashif. 
He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. And when he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. And David said, greetings. And he replied, I'm your servant. Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. When he said that, he said that with such excitement because it shows excitement even on how it is in scripture that he was excited to come show kindness and bless this young man. So then he bows respectfully and exclaims, who's your servant that you should so show such kindness to a dead dog like me? See, when he said that to a dead dog like me, that told me that he considered himself like an orphan and not like a son. So here comes King David to give him things and let him see himself in a different perspective. Then the king summoned Saul's servant Ziba and said, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. And you and your sons and servants are to farm the land for him to produce food for your master's household. But Mephashasif, your master's grandson, will eat here at my table. Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. That's how big, like, he blessed them. <laughs> he sent all these people to help this young man. Zeba replied, yes, my lord, the king, I am your servant, and I will do all that you have commanded. And from that time on, Mephishabosheth <laughs> ate regularly at David's table, like one of the king's own sons. That's so, such a blessing. And it's, it just goes on to talk about how he lived in Jerusalem and he regularly ate at the king's table. And I read that and I was like, God, not only did David go through disappointment, he went from disappointment to celebration. Then from celebration, he went and he came and honored and brought restoration to the land again. That whole generation, that whole family he gave restoration to them. And you're thinking, you know, us as people, we start thinking about things in our mind and we're like, well, why would he even do that? The whole, they were against him. They were trying to take him out. They were trying to kill him. And our mindset of how we think in the natural, it's not the same how the Lord functions and the Lord thinks and how God thinks and how God functions. And so we have to begin to dance on our disappointment like David did with all of our heart and all of our mind and all of our soul so we can have breakthrough and not have a critical mindset on things that we don't understand. I've had, I have seen the greatest breakthroughs in service through dance. I have seen, I, I can feel it in the spirit. When I, when I first came to the Lord, you know, I was, I was younger then. My, my, um, my legs and my body was different. All of us can say an amen to that, right? <laughs> but if you knew me then, I would, I would dance and I would jump and I would spin around for the Lord. And I had, I, when I read that for the first time about David's dance, I was like, if David could dance like that, if I could do the things of the world, 
and not be embarrassed about it, right, at the places I went to where I shouldn't have been, then I can come into church and dance for the Lord. And, and you know, we cut some of those things out, ribashi. We cut some of those things out of freedom that we felt was freedom for the world. And God wants freedom in the church. And God's like, why do you still act like you're bound? Why do you act like you're still all in this box when I'm trying to give you freedom? And I, and I, and I just I think about David's dance and how free he was that he didn't care what anybody said about him or even the criticism that he received even from that, that he was in celebration. And even though there's disappointments in the world right now, we should be in celebration dancing like David danced. We shouldn't focus on the disappointments right now. We shouldn't focus on, on things that the Lord didn't give us. We have to eradicate that. And I was there yesterday, and I was, I was hearing this song, this new song that came out, and it was talking about revival being in the air. And I'm there by myself. <laughs> and I'm like, and I, I was so tired yesterday. I've been, I had a very busy week. And I was so tired. And I just started to dance by myself. And I'm like, God, and I'm like dancing and everything. I mean, how many of you have seen a person dance and they look sad? Have you ever seen a sad dancer? I know it sounds like a dumb question, right? But have you ever seen somebody be sad while they're dancing? They're not ever sad. <laughs> they're full of joy and they're having fun. And I started thinking about that yesterday as I was dancing. And joy brings us strength, right? The oils of joy bring us strength. But somehow we X all that out when we go from the world into the church. And we're like, we can't have any fun anymore. We can't dance anymore. We can't, you know, be free anymore. We're, we're supposed to be more free than the world. But we still act bound up and sit in our chairs and there's never any movement. And I'm like... <laughs> I'm like, but David did it. And Dave, and now we have Jesus. Da David was still serving during the times of just God. But then Jesus comes and his blood was shed on the cross, just like Carol was sharing earlier. I think it was a, 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 such a spiritual thing for Carol to even share that with us. And we drank of his blood and we, we ate the bread because those things were done so we could be free. But yet we still act like we're not free. And I'm not talking about go crazy. I'm talking about and do whatever you want to do. That's not what I'm saying. People misinterpret that. But I'm saying, like, be free in the things of the Lord. You know, many people would be offended if they encountered heaven because in heaven there's a celebration going on every single day. They know how to party better than we do. <laughs> And when we don't worship and we don't dance upon our disappointments, guess what? I promise you the angels will come in here and they'll dance for us. When we don't want to get off our chairs, when we don't want to dance and, and praise and worship the Lord, the angels of heaven will come in this place and begin to twirl and begin to dance if you don't want to get up and do it. What does it say? Because the rocks will cry out even when we don't cry out. I'm like, God, I don't want a rock to cry out for me. I'll cry out. I don't want, I don't want the angels to dance for me. I want to dance with the angels of heaven. 
and I want there to be breakthrough. And the Lord's like, well, if you just come have some fun with me, not be so critical, and get some freedom in you again, freedom like you were in the beginning, then the joy of the Lord will fall on you as you dance upon your disappointments. And I was just like, and you know, when we were young, <laughs> I don't know about you, but I know when I was young and I would dance, I felt free. That was like a big thing for a long time, freedom in your dance. It's an expression of who you are. It's an expression of, um, of uh, it, it, it doesn't have to be perfect. See, that's where the criticalness comes in. Well, I have to do it this way. It has to look that way. It has to be this way. Oh, I'm not good at it. And God's like, just dance. Just dance. Be free. Get some joy in your system. Get your legs moving. Get your arms missing. I remember I would tell people, I was like, God's not looking for how, how well you dance. God's just looking for you to move. He's just looking for you to get up and do something. Even if it's just raising your hand or moving your arms or moving a foot or something. <laughs> He's just waiting for us to do something to worship him. And it's like if you physically can't do the crazy dancing you used to do, it's okay. But do something. Dance upon your disappointments. And you'll feel the joy of the Lord come broken open inside of you. And it'll begin to pour onto others. I've been in places... And I'm with the Lord, dancing unto the Lord. I'm just like me and him. And people come up to me and they said, after service, they're like, thank you for your worship. It really blessed me. You know, and I'm thinking like, like how did that even happen? I'm just, I'm just doing my thing with the Lord. I'm just being free in the Lord. And, but something broke off of them in my worship to him. See, when you begin to dance, it breaks off things in the atmosphere. It begins to break things of the religious mindset. It begins to break things. And, and even when the critical thinking comes and the critical uh, opinions come, you have to be ready to say, hey, even if I look foolish, even if I look not okay, I'm doing it for the Lord. And that's what it's about him, not about me. Can we just stand this morning? <clears throat> God wants us to step into some great freedom. You know, we keep talking about revival, revival and breakthrough and healings and signs and wonders in our music this morning. <clears throat> and he's waiting on us. It's not us waiting on him. <laughs> he's waiting on us to break through. He's waiting on us to become who we, we were created to become. You know, <laughs> even dancing for him. Whatever it is he puts in your heart this season, he wants to break that disappointment. He wants you to be on celebration mode. Who cares what the world looks like right now? That doesn't dictate what happens at the end. Peter was singing that earlier. Victory, I see victory coming. That's what we have to begin to speak. Victory in the disappointment. Victory in the areas where the enemies try to come still. Victory in the, in the finances. Victory. Look, I can't say what your victories have to be. And I just want to, I want to, I want to <laughs> challenge you this morning to begin to speak out to God what it is that you need your victory in.
and be free in it. Dance on your disappointments. God, we thank you this morning, Lord. We thank you for the strength in our bodies, God, to continue to walk this walk with you, Lord. And God, I pray for freedom in this house, Lord. That you would take away every critical thing inside of us, Lord. Even crit critical things on ourselves, God. We can be so critical on ourselves, God. And unforgiving to ourselves, God. And I pray, Lord, you would remove that unforgiveness on ourselves. And that critical thinking and spirit that we have with ourselves, God. And I ask that you break that thing this morning, Lord. And I speak freedom over the mind, freedom over the soul and the spirit, Lord, <laughs> that we would begin to awaken to worship the way that you want us to worship you, Lord. If it's in singing, God, we sing. If it's in dance, we dance, God. But there will be a celebration, God. And there will be a victory celebration over this house, over people that are watching, over our cities, over our towns, and over our nation, God. We will have a celebration, victory, dance, God. And we will dance over every disappointing thing, God, that the enemy wanted us to focus on, Lord, because you're sending breakthrough, God. And breakthrough means everything is broken that speaks against your word, that speaks against your spirit, God. <laughs> we give you thanks right now, Lord. <laughs> Can we give the Lord a thanks this morning? <laughs> a thank you to the Lord. <laughs>